What's going on? And welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, alongside my co-host Jim Eikenoffer of Pelicans.com. As we are a few days away from the NBA draft on Thursday night. And with our draft preview, we're on the pick number six, which belongs to the Oklahoma City Thunder. One of their six picks on the night. And to help us break them down, we're bringing in Andrew Schlecht, who covers the Thunder for The Athletic, also an NBA podcast producer and host of Saturday Slam and Jam for Athletic NBA Show. Andrew, good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great. This is my favorite week of the year for the NBA. So this is, I'm a kid in a candy store this week. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a fun time. I mean, the, the team you're covering also has uh, plenty of picks to talk about, not only this yeah. season, but the upcoming ones. But What's the kind of general synopsis on what Oklahoma City's approach will be on Thursday night with three first round picks, two early second round picks, and then a late one? So to me, it's it's all about acquiring like high upside players. I mean, that's where the Thunder are at just I mean, they're they're at the very bottom of trying to build the team. And they have a nice piece in Shea Gildas Alexander. They have some other interesting pieces on the team. But I would say that Shea is like the only guy that you can say, okay, this is for sure like an NBA, you know, potential all-star type of player. Everybody else is just kind of on the fringes or just at the beginning stages of figuring out who they are. So they will pick best player available for sure. They will not worry about position. And sitting at six, I mean, they, they got so unlucky on – uh, lottery night because they were supposed they were supposed to pick fourth if you just went by the order they fell two spots so they're pretty bummed about that but there's no doubt they're going to make calls they're going to they're going to try to get into that top four uh, I don't know how likely that is I think that those if, if I'm the Cavs or the Raptors there'd just be no way like there's nothing you know the, the Thunder would have to overwhelm them with like five picks or something like that for them to say yes but you know, who knows? They have 18 first round picks in the next six years. So anything can happen with OKC. I was about to say before I get to Jim, what could they possibly do with these picks as far as trade purposes? Because like you said, besides Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, I mean, they're basically in a huge rebuilding. So I'm not sure are they requiring veteran players? Are they taking on some contracts just to maybe acquire more picks? Like what would be the strategy if they decide to trade uh, one of the many picks they have on draft night? Yeah, I would think that consolidating would make a lot of sense. They have six picks. I, I find it hard to believe that any NBA franchise would carry six rookies on their roster. Um, so my guess is that they will consolidate. Maybe they have 34 and 36 to try to trade up to get into the first round or to get like the 30th pick. I think that would make some sense. I think 16 and 18 uh, to try to trade up um, in like the – nine to 12 range makes some sense as well if they really like somebody but this is a really strong draft I think there will be good players at 16 and 18 so I while I think they will consolidate at some point in the draft I kind of hope they keep 16 and 18 and just kind of swing on both because I think there'll be a good player at both uh, places and then they could also use 16 and 18 and six plus future you know, draft capital to try to trade for four or for three. Um, so I think that all of those things are in play when it comes to what they'll do on draft night. Andrew, I wanted to start out by saying I'm, I'm a avid listener of the Saturday slam and jam. I really like the, the work that you guys do. Oh, with. thank you. And uh, I think people that listen to our show would, would be, would recognize some of the fact that your co-host torments you all the time. <laughs> that's something that does. 
<laughs> Daniel is very good at that as well, at, at tormenting me. I am. I, there's definitely, I kind of have some like uh, moments of angst when I listen to that because it reminds me of, of some of what I have to go through on this show. But anyway. Yeah. I do one, pay for your therapy though. <laughs> exactly. One of the, one of the segments I think I, I know a lot of people like is the trivia that you do where it's Andrew versus the beat. Um, uh-huh. you, you, I know you started off rough this year, but you've won nine in a row after you started out. Oh, 11 and one, one of your losses, I think was to our friend, Will Guillory. Uh, yes. what, what do you think has been behind the, your, your extreme run of success lately? I think it's that, um, there's a little bit more of a level playing ground. Cause I've the first 11 were a beat me versus a beat writer with questions on the team that they covered. And it was funny because the one specifically with Will, Will on almost every answer was like, oh, I was at that game. This is what yeah. happened, you know, kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened at this like very specific moment in time of the Pelicans history. So a uh, little bit of luck, certainly a lot of luck. And then uh, more of a level playing field and probably catching some people off guard. I'm, I'm also getting into a rhythm where I know that I'm doing trivia every week. Mm-hmm. and these are just people coming in cold so i think there's there's a lot of factors at play there gotcha i think will that now that i think about it will guillory definitely has an advantage too because new orleans franchise history is not that long so yeah, yeah. in person a, a big chunk of that but mm-hmm. um it, as far as okc goes i um have kind of a hypothetical question for you um they were very competitive in the first part of last season compared to what people expected what do you think would have happened if they would have stuck with, you know, staying with Al Horford and, and trying to compete? Mm-hmm. Do you think that they would have been able to stay in the play-in race? I think they would have been close. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just so hard to say because I think the goal was always to be in the, in the bottom five of the league. I think that was always what, like, a stated goal was for the team. Um, but I would say that I don't think they would actually make it because I think – it just takes so much experience down the stretch to win the games that they would have needed to win. So I would guess that they would still have been on the outside looking in, but man, they would have been close to 500. You know, that's, that that's the kind of team that they were to start the year. And they, they unearthed some gems like Kenrich Williams was really, really good for them. And you guys know Kenrich, like Kenrich yeah, he's, took he's my guy. Kenrich he took a my- step up. Yeah. yeah. He took a step up. He was really, really good. For, for this team and the style of play. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what they look like this next season. Like I said, I don't think they'll carry six rookies, but if you carry four rookies and you play all of them, you're a bad team. Like sure. you're just you're just yeah. going to be bad because you're playing too many ex- inexperienced players like plus Pokashevsky and mm-hmm. but you know, well it's it is they're such an intriguing team with the directions they could go because you could add a few pieces like you saw last year how they were they're all right like you could add a few pieces and be a play-in team but their their aspirations are much higher than that yeah one of their impressive wins was actually at the expense of the pelicans in the first couple of weeks of the season I, I think that was the moment where a lot of people were like wait a minute this team is not going to be terrible if they stick with the roster that they had obviously they went in a completely different direction but um mm-hmm. la- last thing i was going to ask you is um I spent two years in OKC with the Hornets way back in the day in the ancient. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I was wondering, based on the success that the Thunder have had had over the previous decade where they went deep in the playoffs, they won 50 plus games. How, how is the, the fan base, do you think, viewing the rebuilding as far as 
the patience that they have? Is it easier to kind of accept what the Thunder are going through based on the fact that they, they won so much over the last stretch of years? I would say the diehards get it. The diehards are, are on board. They understand the plan. They're with it. Uh, the rest of the fan base, I think, is like a mixed bag of what are they doing? I don't really like that. Like, why would losing ever be good kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I kind of hear all of it. And the fact is, like, this has been one of the more spoiled franchises in, like, NBA history. Because yeah. they, they came here. We had one bad year. And but we still like, oh, it's cool. Like we have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Like this is amazing. Like Kobe Bryant is here in Oklahoma City. What? You know, like there's just this buzz about the city. And then the second year they win 50 games and it's like, oh my gosh, this is great. And then they just kept building and building, building until they got to the finals. And then they were just like a good team for so long until Kevin left. And then they even still had Russ and they trade for Paul George and they get Carmelo Anthony. And then just like wow like the amount of stars that have been here and even chris paul like adding chris paul like the amount of stars that have been in oklahoma city in this like 12 year span has been outrageous and it's abnormal like no franchises do this especially small markets so i think i think that there's a a a a big portion of the fan base that doesn't like this because they're just one they're like ou football fans and they're used to a team being good no matter what and then just, they've just had it so good so i think that there's kind of a there's a there's certainly like two levels of fandom here in okc that i've seen well, it should be interesting on draft night with the thunder with six picks three of them in the first round two of them early second round then one late in the second round it's andrew select who covers the thunder uh for the athletic uh andrew i really appreciate the time i know this is a busy week but it's a fun week and i appreciate a few minutes today yeah thanks fellas Great stuff there from Andrew Schlecht. And obviously, Jim, you talked about how you're a big fan of his podcast, does a great job um, with the podcast and on The Athletic called Saturday Slam and Jam. And you can follow him on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. But in some sense, Jim, the Thunder and the Pelicans are in pretty similar positions, more so from their bevy of draft picks that they'll have in the future. The Pelicans, with all those picks coming from the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday trade, I can't even name you all the trades that the Thunder are impacted with, with how they got their picks. But these two teams come in to Thursday night with the top two most picks um, with the Thunder at six and the Pelicans at five. So I think both teams have plenty of options um, come a few days from now. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting over the next few years. This is something that we're going to revisit at drafts for, I don't know, the next six or seven seasons, next you know off seasons. Not only the, these two teams, but also Houston has a bunch of picks stockpiled from for future first round picks. So I think it'll be really interesting at the end of this decade to look back and see the, how it worked out for the teams that use this kind of strategy of trading for future picks. Um, I think another interesting element of this is that if you, if you look at it um, compared to maybe some of the trades of major star players, including Chris Paul in 2011 from new Orleans, I think some of these teams have gotten a lot more in these, in these deals than teams did a while back, I think the you saw with the Brooklyn Boston trade that people talked about a, a, for a while how that paid off for Boston with some of the players that they acquired. So I think if you're the Pelicans or the Thunder or the Rockets, you hope kind of something similar happens where you're able to get some guys at the top of the draft and things work out that way. But it'll be it, it is it's really interesting though to see how that's going to affect the draft the next few years. 
Yeah, a little bit of a quick episode today, but we wanted to make sure we get Andrew on just for a few minutes to talk about the Thunder. We'll continue our draft coverage tomorrow with Tim Roy, uh, radio voice of the Golden State Warriors. We'll also have uh, a couple of additional, or a couple of things to talk about when it comes to Willie Green, as he's been a broadcaster there when Willie was an assistant coach, won a couple championships there in Golden State. Also keep in mind tomorrow, Willie Green will be announced as the head coach at 11 a.m. Central. And of course, you can stream it on pelicans.com or the mobile app. So very busy Tuesday. Then Wednesday, we'll wrap things up with the Sacramento Kings. And then we're going to try to get on a national guest Thursday to kind of help break down an overall sense of the draft because you never know what could be happening on Thursday. By then, there could be trades. Um, This order might not be the same in the next few days. So uh, we'll have more for you in the next couple of days. We lead into the draft on Thursday. And reminder, Jim and I will be a part of the draft show uh, presented by Hub International on Thursday on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. Todd Graffinini and Gus Cattengale will be on location. Hooters on the West Bank. And then on Thursday, or excuse me, then Jim and I will be stuck in the studio. Yes, Jim stuck with me. Not a really good consolation prize, but still appreciate the fact that he's enjoying us on the air. You got the you got the the you got the short straw on that one, my friend. Yeah, especially when I could be at Hooters on the West Bank. I mean, geez, this is like. This is extremely, it's like you're you're taunting me with this. If it makes you feel better, I'm going to be with you. I don't know. If, that's probably actually not going to make you feel better, but just you, you no. won't be alone. Okay. Good. <laughs> Big thanks again, Andrew Schleck. For Jim Eichenhofer, I'm Daniel Sanderson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.